Hello, friends, and welcome to Daily Bible Reading, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. And occasionally, we drill down on a particular passage or a particular book. We are continuing our Revelation study with Michael Mishkin, and today we begin Chapter 3. Michael, welcome. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy as well. Love getting together with you, man. Love it. Do you want to jump right in? Start with the church in Sardis? Yep. Looks like we're at the church of Sardis after we've done these previous churches, Thyatira, Pergamum, Ephesus, and we saw much to be gleaned from those. So I'll continue to read and we'll glean from this one. So it says, and to the angel or messenger of the church in Sardis, right? He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. If, therefore, you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm. Hmm. Amen. Interesting stuff, huh? It is interesting. And so I, I think it's a, important or worthwhile to go back to something that was said in a previous study. Um, these are physically, geographically, they're, they're different churches, but it's almost like a picture of these seven churches are a picture of the entire body of Christ. And everything said to each of the churches applies to everybody within the body of Christ. I mean, is, is that doing justice to what we had said before earlier on? I mean, that's what I've gleaned when I've read through these, that God is taking the time here to sort of examine in the body different types and using these different physical churches that existed to make example of types of things that are happening in the body, different ways that they're responding you know, how the ones that are doing well, how some are losing their focus, how some are getting deceived by certain idols or improper order or leadership. Um, and then even, uh, you know, we're going to go on to Philadelphia, where it seems like those guys are doing it right. And this is how the, the, the people got it together. And what we're seeing in each one of them is that you see a grand example, like the overall, God looks at the overall, but yet he does fine tune. Hey, you have a few here that are good, that are on point. So it's not 
that every single person is this way. So you got some that are actually in line with me. But when I look at you as a whole, this is what I have to say as a whole. So while a few people may escape, you know, overall, if the rest don't hear this and repent, like in Sardis here, he's giving this warning. You have a reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. <laughs> I mean, we could see a lot of that in the, in the body today. Many of us have made these observations. But he also says that there are some that have not soiled their garments, you know, and he's using this figurative language, you know, is, are they wearing, oh, look, they got clean clothes on. They were, they just washed in the laundry. You know, that's not what he's, he's using that metaphor of understanding that you're, you're covering, which is what the garment is. You're keeping yourself straight. You're not, you're not unclean. You're not mixed with the soiling of the ways of the world versus the ways of the holy ways of God. That's why the high priest, he had to wear linen when he went in before God, linen representing the spirit man. And when he came out to interact with the people, he wore the wool garment, wool representing like the, the flesh man. So, but they wouldn't mix it. And there was a law in the Torah that says, do not mix two garments, a garment, of, I mean, a garment of wool and linen, showing the mixture of man's carnal ways versus the spiritual ways, which is heavy laden throughout the church of God right now, as we know it. Mm. I mean, what observations, any other thoughts that you see there? I mean, I, you know. I think just in that, in that first couple of verses, I mean, even the first verse, the second half, I know your works or your deeds. Um, and God is intimately aware of not only what we do, but our motivations behind what we do. Right. And that's, so it's convicting and having the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And even on that text thread that we were on earlier today, where people are saying, well, what is everybody's calling for rev revival? Like, what does that mean? I mean, in order, in order to have revival, you, you have to be dead first or, or at least having the appearance of being dead. And so I think that there's agreement widespread within evangelical Christendom, if we can call it that, or let's say those who are truly alive and endeavoring with the Holy Spirit of God to, to serve him, to walk with him, to have a biblical worldview. There's an understanding, I think, whether or not it's overt and we're saying it out loud, people are aware that something's not right, that we must be at least partially dead to be calling for a revival. This is correct. I mean, and, you know, the grand idea when people say the term revival is they're noticing a collective move of the spirit. You know, it's not like your normal gatherings. You go in, you do your songs, you got your five point message couple people feel more touched the rest are just playing on their phones going home uh this is something where the whole congregation seems to really get moved and touched by the spirit and has an opportunity for change and it seems to last longer than a day so this is what they call revival we have reflective uh historical aspects of that from brownsville 
Lakeland ones that people talk about. And then, the, you know, Toronto, they talk about it. And then there's things that go back, you know, Isuzu Street, you know, all these things that we've heard, you know, things that went on in, I think it was Scotland or Wales or something like that. But the bottom line is, why didn't it, you know, continue? Why didn't it go further on? And I think the big story is, and it's even part of what God is trying to get at here. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're losing, you're not finishing what you started. You know, these people, they have a reputation of being alive because he finds their works incomplete. You know, the people get excited, the spirit moves, but then they don't follow through. Why is the spirit moving? So you can feel all oogly googly inside. So that you could feel, oh, wow, I'm, my, I'm so tired. You know, the, the emotional response that people get when the spirit of God manifests, I asked the Lord about this. And the Lord told me, this is what he, I believe he said to me, he says, that is what, what they experience is the difference between them and me. And it's overwhelming for them. And they have that tremendous emotional response. But that's because they're so used to being themselves and not being in my presence so when my presence comes it's overwhelming and they get this emotional response and they act in all these different ways you didn't see peter doing that you didn't see paul walking around today these guys were in the spirit they walked by the spirit it was natural to be walking in the supernatural that is where god wants us to go and what they exhibited in that was great knowledge and understanding and judgment in the power of God, which is where God wants us to go. So that is what I believe is constantly missed when the move of the spirit happens. People just want to feel good and just cry and weep and say, thank you for saving me. Where God's like, let's get on with it and mature you into a strong, mighty man of God in my image. That's the goal. The spirit is there to help us to be changed into his likeness. So back to the church of Sardis, for this specific gathering of people he's giving a great charge that you know you make the outward look good but you got nothing on the inside you're dead mm -hmm. and you know he even goes on towards the end and this is again one of the scriptures that i use countering that one saved always saved you know here he's saying you better you know i will not erase his name from the book of life for those who are overcome so obviously there's a potential of god erasing your name which counteracts the people who think oh then you never had it if you left no if you have your name there and he erases it it means you were doing good but then yeah. you left so, i and i and i can i can speak to that as as somebody who has who has gone full circle through that um you know and you and i when we first started talking you would you would throw out phrases like that and i would try to you know come come at you and dis disagree a very wise man once said to me when i was full tilt five point calvinist reformed theology driving 33.8 miles to get to a church that i agreed with doctrinally <laughs> um which god used that as well but I think I think when when almost everybody is first comes into relationship with God, they're Armenian or or you know free will or whatever. And 
And then a lot of people, as they begin learning the doctrinal truths of, of scripture, they become reformed. And then um, there's this like eternal debate that's been, well, it's been raging for at least four or 500 years of people going back and forth saying, you know, it's this way, it's that way, it's this way, it's that way. And I had this very wise man say to me about 15 or so years ago, a little bit more than that. I think it's both. I think it's both. And I was, and I just it judged him in my heart thinking, clearly you're not as smart as I am. And that's what I was thinking, right? And now here I am, you know, I came to that realization about 10 years later going, I think he was right. I think it's both. I mean, there's a reason that top scholars, let's just, you know, with, within, within Christianity, these, these people who study have devoted their lives to studying the word, not saying they have it all figured out. They don't. Nobody does, but there are people like John Piper and Wayne Grudem and Norman Geisler who disagree on these things. And maybe they all have a little piece of the truth and maybe they're all missing something. And yet we become not saying they do or that they are, but I know in my past, and I know a lot of Christians who just want to convert everybody else to make them think the way that you think or the way that I think. And that's pride and it's opposed to the spirit of God and it, it divides and it's not helpful to throw labels on everybody saying, Oh, you're this way or you're that way, you know? And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, Mike, because we all have this tendency to want to classify, you know, define for me what put out your your tenets of what you believe and let's figure out if you agree with everything that I believe. And that's our nature, but it's of the world and it's not helpful. Uh, exactly. But again, like we're saying, as we grow in the knowledge of God, it gets out of the realm of debate. And we rise up. That's what the whole goal of rising up rings like eagles. You're up high and seeing the world from God's perspective as opposed to our perspective. And then you could see how, which I agree with, it's both. Because God does say in Romans 9, I mean, you know, Paul speaking about how, you know, Pharaoh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart and who can resist his will. You know, I can argue both points, but I understand it by the both is from God's perspective, he knows everything but we don't. And the whole purpose of existence is for us to find out, not him. He already knows right. the end. Right. So the whole, that's the whole thing that I try to drive home of why did God create everything? It's not about your career. It's not about your family. It's not about who you think you are. It's about you getting to know him and becoming like him. And you find out by your decisions every day, if that's you, that's why there's warnings over and over to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be careful lest I come and I take away your lampstand. You know, there are those who are twice dead, you know, all of these things all throughout scripture, you know, we are, and uh, you know, his house, we are, if we hold our faith till the end, you know, as it says in Hebrews. So over and over again, it's trying to give these warnings, but yet from God's perspective, he already knows. But the whole point is, is that if he didn't make this creation and he just did what he knew, then we didn't choose it. He made us that way. So then we have no 
we have no responsibility in it. You made us this way, so we're not really loving. We're not really truly deciding he made robots, basically. The whole purpose of existence is that God does not have robots, that we know why we want him and we show it by dedicating our life to that way and growing in the knowledge of him. And again, getting back to Sardis and these other churches, he's challenging them on this. Guys, you're putting on a show. Why are you doing this in the first place? Do you really want me? If not, go go back into the world. Don't put on a show as if you're alive and you're really not with me. That's the simplicity of that. What's the point? You know, here, I mean, it sounds all mystical and figurative, but it's it's part of the revelation because symbolism is designed to encapsulate a great deal of understanding into a little picture. And that for those who are wise or those who have ear, let them hear, they can uncode that. That's why he says that at the end. You know, he who has ear, let him hear. I have two ears. Can I hear? Everybody on the planet or most people on the planet have two ears. Some might have them cut off. But obviously, then there's no reason to say this statement if it's just having physical ears. He's doing right. a metaphorical understanding of hearing as understanding. Let him who understands understand what I'm trying to tell you in these pictures, in the, myst in the mystical aspects of these things, which are not. They're simple truths. But that's the goal of God is that if you're truly seeking him, you will grow in the knowledge of him and you will be able to uncode this. If not, you're going to make your own religion. I think it's true. It's not going to go anywhere. It'll be powerless and it's going to be dead. That's where right. this is all breaking down for us. You have a reputation of being alive, but in actuality, there's going to be no power. There's no power sure. behind it, which is most of Christianity today. There's no power behind it. And what so, we have is warnings over and over again throughout each letter. Be careful. Be careful of the false brethren. Be careful of those. Those who come amongst you, they are antichrists. Be careful of these, you know, all these different types of Paul and Peter and 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 uh, Hebrews and you know John. They're all warning. I mean, half of their stuff is warning about twisted understandings. Do you think that twisted understanding comes in with some big red label on it that we are the twisted understanding? We are no. It sounds good, but it produces no fruit of life and growth in the kingdom of knowing God and loving one another. And people have to understand that. That's the difference. <clears throat> Absolutely. So back to Sardis, wake up, verse two, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. I think that's very important. It's an important distinction because we see that analogy of him coming like a thief a few times in scripture. And it's, I think, taken out of context by a lot of people thinking no one knows when he's going to come. Obviously, no one knows the day or the hour, but we can judge the season, right? We can, we can even see the day when when he's supposed to be coming not this specific calendar day but the time in general um but it's the people who are asleep it's the people who are asleep who are not going to see it that's correct i mean he uses that analogy a few different times throughout the scriptures and you know you think about it well okay what does it mean a thief in the night you know a thief doesn't come during the day usually i mean well at least back then 
you know, knock on the door, say, hi, I'm a thief. Can you step aside? I'm going to take everything. They don't want you to know. That's, I mean, that, that's what, what I'm doing right now is what everyone should be doing. When you get some type of a, an analogy or you get some sort of symbolism or something, break it apart. Think about it. Why is he using the term a thief in the night? And it, the practical understanding is that a thief, when he wants to steal something, comes at night. Usually because the people are asleep, which is another figurative understanding of people are not aware, and he can now do what he wants to do to take what he wants to take. So he's referencing that. It's going to be a surprise if you're asleep. And if it's, you're awake, it's a different story. Right. You'll and it's ready. dark. It's dark at night. You can kind of sneak around, come and go in secrecy. Um, you know, certainly they didn't have floodlights back then. Mm -hmm. so all of this symbolism is there and so again why i always come back to the kingdom of god if i was to sum it up in one word it means think god told me years ago when i was praying think in me and i was like what does that mean it's like when all these years you've grown up in your your nature you thought you thought about all different things you want your way how it now you have a spirit man Think in the spirit man. Think about my way. And by his spirit, he taught me how to really observe things from his perspective. That's the key, you know, and that's part of how we know if we're really starting to get onto something is if we're getting a revelation and if it seems good to us, but it's got a humanistic point of view, then it's ridiculous. You know, oh, you know, God, you know made the pig and he doesn't want us to eat it because we'll get worms that's a humanistic point of view yes that happens but that's not what the deal is of that you know he didn't have to make the pig unclean he could have made you know the sheep unclean and we herded pigs so if you're you're making your conclusions based on humanistic point of view you're not getting it that's the whole point. When you rise up with wings like eagles, when you're going up high into him, you're understanding from the big picture perspective. And all of these things we're talking about here are relative to that. Revelation is a book that's not to be standalone. It's referenced off of everything we've read before, from what Yeshua was saying, what Paul was saying, and especially going into the prophets. And if you really are studying in those and you're thinking, then you st should start getting ears to hear. Amen. I um, clicked and lost my, it, no, I clicked away from my, uh, from my Bible that I got it back. It took me a minute. Verse four says, you, yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are white. So the white represents the purity, um, worthy only by the righteousness of Christ. Are you, are you, are you getting feedback? I don't talk. No. So, yeah, as you were observing there, so obviously the overall facardus was a, not a good picture and a warning. But yet, like we said, God has some people in there that did not soil their garments and they're going to walk in white. So what were these people doing? 
we can obviously see that somehow these few people that God observed were not participating in what the overall were doing, which is common with the remnant. You know, I always say you go into any church, most of the people there are not going where they think they're going, but I believe there are quite a few that God sees. I don't know the amount. I mean, there could be some churches that have a good amount because the remnant overall is small comparative to the overall. But, and then there's a lot of churches that could have just a couple of people here. And there. But that's the point. God observes and he knows those that are his and they're not obviously participating in the overall observation that he has against the collective. So these people are not soiling themselves. So it's not about physical dirt or whatever. They're not getting caught up in the same dead works or incomplete works. Maybe they're completing their works. Maybe they're keeping, you know, the way they're supposed to be. And they're not putting on a facade that we're alive, that we know God, but inwardly they're dead. Well, how are you, how do you have ultimately a facade that you look like you're alive and you're dead? That's something to think about. What makes you dead? I mean, the kingdom, what makes you alive in the kingdom is getting to know God and bearing fruit according to the spirit, shining the light. Like Yeshua said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father in heaven. So we do know by the kingdom of God, a lot of action is really decides where you're at with God, not your wording. We, everybody can go around and say, oh, did you hear that speaker? Did you hear that speaker? That's a great speaker. That's a great speaker. But do we see them after they step off the stage? Do we know how these speakers are operating or how even the pastors that we trust or whatever, you know, how are they operating in the background? Do they really yeah. care about the people that they are presiding over? These are things to think about because overall, the biggest thing that God, I believe, looks at and judges by is the commandment that he gave, that we love one another as he loved us, that our lives are dedicated, that it's not about what I want, it's not about how I look, it's about how can I help my brother to be better at what who they are, what can I do to assist them that they can go and do well and be better in God. That's, yeah, I, I think, a simplistic key. Absolutely. I was just looking at um, reading in Leviticus this morning, and I believe it's in chapter five where it talks about the um, one of the offerings, the, the guilt offering or one of the offerings was for when you don't speak up, when you see your brother um, needing a, a, a public testimony. So there's some sort of a conflict and you know what happened and you don't share your testimony or you're not a witness in this, whatever the re revolution or whatever the resolution is, you're, um, that's a sin and you need to go to the temple and repent and offer a sacrifice to make atonement for not giving the testimony. And so how many of us today, I mean, when a crime goes down and people are like, not, I didn't see not I didn't see anything like it's we're inviting guilt upon ourselves by not having a willingness to help other people. This is absolutely correct. I mean, you know, we could do studies on just those all of those sacrifices alone. They're not about the temple. They're telling exactly what you're describing. 
all aspects of how we step out of line and need to confess that to God and give that carnal flesh over for forgiveness and redemption. Because, and that's one of them, you know, uh, basically what you're talking about is there's a problem with passivity, which is the, a big thing. You know, you can't be a bystander that just looks the other way and thinks, hey, I didn't do it. You know, that's like what kids think. They, oh, that wasn't me. It was him. It's like, yeah. no, you did not. If you did not make the efforts to correct or fix the situation, then you can be implicated as allowing it to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like a Nazi Germany. I mean, many people saw the people getting ushered away, you know, the Jewish people. And they thought, I, you know, I'm not getting involved. I don't know anything. And it, that, it, there's no excuse for that. You know, if you would have risen up, you could have stopped that from happening. And that's the same thing spiritually with all of us, you know, and God is looking at the heart. We have to remember that. That's what he sees. He, you can't hide from him. That's what we have to remember. There's no hiding. So putting on a show is just a waste of time. So everyone has to choose. Do you really want this or not? If not, then get out, go enjoy the world, do whatever, do what you want. But if you really want to do this, let's do this right. I'm not in this for rules and regulations on what man wants. Let's know what God's heart wants and go for that. Yeah, absolutely. Verse five, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. <clears throat> yeah, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So here we got, you know, obviously the father is the head honcho. And he is looking to his son. All right, what do you think? which obviously the father knows, but the father, the son participates with the father and the holy angels are all there as observers and part of this. And I will confess his name. And that's a big thing that I was talking about recently to people about what a name is. You know, some people I've seen videos, people trying to, oh, we, was it you who put out the, the name of God? Yeah, you sent something about that. Yeah. And you know, these guys go into this whole description about the name of God. How is it said? And the rabbis have it this way. And they they do they stand in water and they wear all white and they'll confess it to their disciples once a year. And this it's all a bunch of hocus pocus. You know, like you think you say the name of God just the right way, and it's like ding 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 ding, you've won the prize. Show him what he's got, you know, behind the curtain there. Yay, you got a new car. You know, it's like, what is that? No, the name, a name is not. You know, how you sound something out. The name is a, a representation of identity and authority. And that's what people don't understand. When you're named, you're giving a title of the idea of who you are thought to be and what kind of an authority that you will have. Many don't live up to their name. And some people have to have their names changed because they were foolishly named when they were kids. But ultimately, whatever ultimate name is, it's, it's designed of who you are and what you're to be like and, and, and the kind of authority. That's why Yeshua said when he's praying to his father, I have kept them in your name. Mm -hmm. What do you think he walked around saying some specific sound of yud heh vav -Hey? I kept them in your name, Peter, yud heh vav -Hey, yud. No, 
he kept them in the true right way authority of the father, as opposed to all the blemishes that came from the Pharisees and all the other stuff that was all around. He kept them straight in the true right authority way of the father. I kept them in your name. That's what he's trying to explain. So a name is more than just what we take for granted. That's why we have to chew on everything. Why do we name? Why do we breathe? Why do we eat? Why do we get married? You know, everything has a greater spiritual understanding meaning than just because. If you're living life as just because, you're falling short right then and there. You need to know why everything we do. So that's where it comes back to thinking in God and he will guide us. Yeah, it's a it's a reflection back to chapter two, verse 17, where to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except for the one who receives it. Um, that and just like Peter was renamed, Simon was renamed Peter and Abram was renamed Abraham, and God did that. He, he upgraded people's identity all the time, and it was for people who had a, a willing heart. Absolutely. And we already exactly. spoke, uh, really, verse, verse 6, who, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's talking about spiritual ears or an openness to hear what God is doing and saying. What Would you add to that? Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, he who has ear is figuratively saying, you know, let him who truly understands, you know, he'll understand what I'm trying to get at. You know, if you really have my mind, if you're learning in me, you'll get what I'm trying to say. You know, it's like the scripture that says, you know, <clears throat> you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, it's not actual hearing tones. It's faith comes by understanding and we and understanding by the word of God. So your faith grows as you truly understand God is what it's trying to really say. If you don't really understand God and you just think you do, or you don't really know God, you're going to have small faith, if any. And then when, yeah. the, when storms come, that's when everything gets knocked down. You can be shaken. Me, I can't be shaken. I know who he is. I know what he's doing. I understand him. I may get grumpy at times and not like it. You know, I'm still human, but I understand him. There's no way anybody can come and convince me that there's no God. You know, there is absolutely no way because I've just been there with him. I've understood. He's taught me and shown me. I've spent time with him. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Others can be shaken because they only have an outward appearance and traditional ways that they watch the people doing things the outward, but inside they're dead. And that evidence will come in a practical way, probably a challenge to their faith. And that's where they'll drop. There's a, there's a difference between the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and a tree planted by the streams of water with its roots down deep that bears fruit in season and out of season. I mean, there's, there's, there's a maturity level between a blade of grass and a 200 year old oak tree. Um, and Scripture talks about those things for a reason. When we think about hearing, and this is, he who has an ear, let him hear, is, is repeated throughout. Um, think about physical hearing. Think about like how the ear actually works and how 
sound waves come and bounce off of us and are absorbed and then deciphered. And if somebody hears a sound, if I hear you speaking and I see your lips moving, but there's other noise that's going on around and I can't comprehend the words that you're saying, I will say, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I heard, I heard something, I heard words, I, but I wasn't able to differentiate what you were saying. And there's a, there's a meaning there. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of like exactly that, the practical understanding of breaking down what actually happens so that it helps us to understand what's really going on on the, the concept level of what these things mean. Even more so like what you're saying, when you really don't get all the info, a lot of people really say, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. They literally mm -hmm. say that, I didn't understand you. Some signals came in, but I didn't, it, I didn't get enough to understand you is what someone usually would say back, you know? So you even see from there, if so exactly that it's a perceiving, we're getting information in and it, it makes sense according to a bigger picture of understanding of what we know. I think, and again, what I come back to and what I feel like in these times now God wants to do we have to really rebuild the foundation because people really don't have the big picture understanding of God, of what he's doing. And that's why it makes it very difficult for anyone to decide. You just go into a dark room and tell you that there, there is a, you know, there is a God or whatever, but you don't, you don't know any which way is up. It's going to be very difficult. But I mean, if you turn on some light, you show people, here's what the puzzle looks like, the, that whole picture we talked about. And then you show them all the pieces of the puzzle makes it a lot easier to put that together. You know, I mean, that's like the analogy I've used before was the puzzle, which I think is the best, uh, best description of that. So it's going to take a relearning is the bottom line. You know, people, if anyone's listening to this and getting something out of this, know that we have to go back to basics. We have to throw out a lot of junk that we believe to be true and start again from scratch to build the foundation on God the right way by understanding who he is and what he's doing. What was the whole point of creating this in the first place? Why is he doing this? And what is he really looking for? And that's where the difference is. You'll see the differences as, a, as opposed to religious ways that we see in different religions or even in Christianity of, of, of useless rules that make no sense. <clears throat> so you know, hopefully that's where we're going. Yeah. So if, if I were somebody who was listening to this and going, man, I just, I don't hear God's voice. I don't really understand. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense what, what some of these guys are saying parts of it, but I don't get it. Um, and I want to know more. I, I realize I have this deficiency. I don't, I want to grow, but I don't really know where to start. I would say begin your day in the word of God, like study the Bible. And it's, listen, it doesn't matter what translation you get. Some are much better than others. None of them are perfect. None of them are perfect. And so get, get a Bible. Don't get a commentary. Don't look at what other people have said about it but just read it and meditate on it day and night. Do your best to fill your brain with the word of God 
and let him speak to you and turn off the television, turn off the radio, turn off all the distractions and just seek to hear his voice. I agree with you. And I mean, what you're explaining to even more fine tune on that takes a dedication. So whoever really wants this, you have to be hungry for it, which means you have to be dedicated to it. You have to build a discipline in making the time to get alone with God in your word, but talking to him. And, you know, some people might say, well, I don't really hear him. That's fine. But you can speak that to him. I don't hear you, Lord. I need to hear you. Your word says I, I'm supposed to hear you. So you can bring that to him. Because one thing you can know in faith, he definitely hears what you're saying. So at least one side of the conversation you know is going to his ears. If he's hearing you come along, it's like, and God just bless my day that I can go and have, you know, go buy a nice Corvette and uh, make sure I can have all the money I want and whatever, you know. God's like, uh, you know, I don't have time for this. But if he hears a crying out heart that really wants it, where it's like, Lord, I want to know you, but I'm not hearing you. I want to have my signals of truly hearing your voice and not the twistings of, of other stuff. Help me. I need your spirit to help me to understand. Now you have a heart that's yearning for him. He's not going to turn aside and turn away from you. Then That's what he's looking for. And that's the difference. A hungry heart, a hungry person. God is what's looking for because he's going to feed you what's real and what's true. Those who are just, you know, putting on a show for themselves as if like, look, I tried. He didn't do it. Ah, well, well, you didn't really want it because there's no, uh, it, it didn't work for me. <laughs> there's, there is, and then there's, I'm just not really into it. My heart's closed, but I don't want to make that. I want to make a show as if it's open, just like the people in Sardis, because I'm no better than anybody else. That's what I would, I tell everybody. Either if, if you say that, then that means I'm better than you. He likes me better. And that's not scripture. He, you know, he doesn't have any preference for anybody over another. He will meet anybody who is truly with an open heart, looking to him, wanting to know him more and wanting to grow in him. You just have to be dedicated to that process and be persistent. Ask and keep on asking. Seek yeah. and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Those are the people who are hungry and thirsting for right, righteousness and truth. They will be filled. The ones who give up really don't want it. I don't give up. I want him. And there's plenty of times I don't hear his voice. So it's not like I'm sitting here having conversations with God every single day. But I do have times where I know it's him. And it's not necessarily has to be a voice in your head. There's ways that you learn to know it's him and that you can test to truly know that it's him. Because sometimes you'll hear something and it may not be him. So that's part of the growth process as well. Right. Right. It's all about growth and endeavoring and striving, really contending to get to that deeper place of understanding who he is. Let's um, just do to time because we're we're in over 50 minutes now at this point. Let's let's hit the pause button. And, uh, and then we'll come back and finish up chapter three on the next one. Or maybe not even finish up chapter three, but we'll go into the Church of Philadelphia. Sounds good. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Love your feedback. Please comment and share. And 
love to hear what you guys think and whether you agree or disagree. We always love to hear your other viewpoints. Thanks and God bless.